Chapter Eight of The Young Pretenders by Edith Henrietta Fowler. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight The Boogie Owl. This is how the Boogie Owl came into existence. The new nurse was very strict and disagreeable, and she told Babs most unpleasantly one morning during her rather refractory ablutions that the policeman would come and take her, together with all other naughty little girls, to prison. But Babs, being a very sensible little person, wished this suggestion authoritatively confirmed before she really believed it. She had known the village policeman at Cloverdale as an intimate friend during the whole of her life, and consequently was not alarmed at just a blue coat and bright buttons. So, thinking it well to be on the safe side, she resolved that she would ask a policeman for herself on the first possible opportunity. When Nurse and the children were out walking one day, Babs coolly accosted the first policeman she saw and asked simply, "'Do you really fetch to prison all the little girls what splash over the sides of their bath?' The policeman was a good-hearted man, and moreover he had a little girl of his own at home with brown eyes very like Babs, so he smiled kindly and answered, "'No, little missy, that's only a silly tale to frighten you.' The police are always ready to take care of little children and see as nobody hurts them. We only take bad grown-up people to prison. Before Babs could reply, Nurse dragged her away in great anger, but the little girl kissed her hand to the policeman and shouted, Goodbye, nice policeman, in defiance of local authority. She spent a dreary afternoon shut up in the night nursery in consequence, but the policeman threat was finally exploded. I think Nurse will go to prison for her next place, suggested Babs to Teddy, for she is grown up and bad. Very bad, said Teddy, looking at his fingers which had been recently slapped. So it came about that Nurse made up for the loss of the policeman by telling the children that the boogie owl would get them if they did not behave themselves. And this intangible horror was beyond their power to dispel. Indeed, it took such a hold of them, and they thought and talked so much of the mysterious creature, that their lives after sunset became a burden, and every dark corner a possible habitation for the boogie-owl. And yet, there was a great fascination in talking about it in the daylight. Only the worst of it was their talks would come back to them after the gas was put out, and increase their original fear tenfold. Let's talk about the boogie-owl said Teddy one cold foggy afternoon in November. Babs gave a little shiver, but she really enjoyed the talks in a grim way at the time. What do you think it's like? she asked Teddy for about the hundredth time. Just like the picture of Pollyon in Pilgrim's Progress that Granny showed us on Sundays at Cloverdale, only with an owl's face and glaring eyes. How awful, whispered Babs. I thought it was behind Nurse's bed last night. It might be, assented Teddy gloomily, for it must be somewhere in the house, you see, or else how could it get us so quickly as Nurse says? What does it eat, do you think, Teddy? Children, I expect. It has long, bony fingers. Like Miss Grimston's? And it would claw you and tear you all up in pieces. Oh, gasped Babs, I think it is often in the bathroom at nights. I always shut my eyes tight and rush past the door. I wish the bathroom door was never a bit open. Sometimes it's in the chimney in my room, continued Teddy. I hear it roaring, but I cover my head tight with the bedclothes. And I do, but it makes it very hot. I hate going to bed now. 
and nurse won't leave the gas turned on even never such a little bit. I wish we were back at Cloverdale. And I do, where there were no horrid boogie owls, nor dreadful frightening creatures what come out at night. The boogie owl never came out at all till Nana went away. Don't you think it might die sometime, or be caught in a trap and killed dead? No, I don't, answered Teddy discouragingly. I expect it'll live to be hundreds and hundreds of years old. But yet, though the children were so horribly frightened of this imaginary horror, they talked about it more and more each day, and consequently it became more terribly real. But after the manner of children, they never mentioned it to anyone grown up, and even Nurse herself had no idea of what a hold it had taken of their minds. One night, contrary to their usual rule, they continued their conversation concerning the boogie owl after tea, and when bedtime came, Babs felt she really dared not be left alone in the dark night nursery. She cried while being undressed and was sharply reprimanded by Nurse in the process. Teddy was so much less excitable by nature than Babs that he was able generally to put on one side the haunting fears of darkness and fall quickly asleep under the sheltering protection of the bedclothes. Babs had a little cold that evening, and was rather fretful and feverish, but Nurse had no consideration for such foibles. She mentioned something about a dose of senna, which dried Babs' tears instantly, and induced her to go quietly to bed, rather than to have to swallow such a nauseous mixture. But when the gas was put out, Babs could not help thinking of the boogie-owl. She was afraid to open her eyes lest she might see the dreadful apparition— and she lay panting under the bedclothes in a perfect frenzy of terror. The more she thought about it, the more certain she was that it was in her room, and at last, reckless of all consequences, she shouted aloud for nurse, even though her coming would involve certain scolding and probable punishment. But nurse had gone downstairs to share in the aftermath of a dinner party, which Captain and Mrs. Conway were giving that night. She had no patience with children who did not go to sleep properly. In fact, the children she was nursed to were always made to do so, and Babs called in vain. The darkness, the aloneness, and the imagined presence of the boogie-owl were too much for the little girl in her frightened and excited condition. With a shriek of terror she flew out of bed, on to the landing, and down the stairs with the cruel conviction that the boogie-owl was pursuing her, "'straight into the brightly lighted drawing-room "'where the dinner-party guests were all assembled. "'Uncle Charlie and Aunt Eleanor were immensely surprised. "'Good gracious, what's the matter?' "'asked the former, catching Babs in his arms. "'But children rarely tell what is the matter, "'so Babs only burst into a torrent of tears "'and clung to him with all her baby might. "'Aunt Eleanor quickly rang the bell, "'and awful indeed was Nurse's countenance "'when summoned to remove Babs.' Surely this was trouble indeed. To be borne back to bed in deepest disgrace, and with such sundry shakes as expressed nurse's displeasure, to say nothing of the threatened penalties for the moral, which, however, frightened Babs far less than immediate desertion. And nurse knew better than to leave her again. She saw that the child was desperate, and so she did her duty, though she inwardly vowed vengeance all the time. Aunt Eleanor, too, was very vexed. "'It looks as if we ill-used the child,' she complained to her husband, "'and on the night of a party, too. "'I saw that horrid young Atherstone looking at me "'as if he thought I ought to be prosecuted "'by that cruelty-to-children thing. 
Did you find out what was the matter after all? There was nothing really the matter, only the child was bilious, nurse says. She gave her a good dose this morning and has kept her in bed. As a prevention or a cure? asked Uncle Charlie dryly. A little of both, I expect, said Aunt Eleanor candidly. I don't believe it was biliousness at all, continued Captain Conway. That is a piece of nursery conventionality. There must have been something the matter to bring the child downstairs in such a fright. What nonsense, Charlie! You know nothing at all about children's ways, and it is no use your interfering in the nursery. The new nurse is a most competent person. Aunt Eleanor was growing rather jealous of her husband's interest in Babs. I doubt that statement somewhat, persisted Uncle Charlie, and I should like to know what frightened the poor little thing so much. You are getting perfectly infatuated about that child, said Aunt Eleanor angrily, and such an ordinary ugly little creature too. I can't understand you, Charlie. Captain Conway glanced curiously at his wife, at the beautiful, graceful woman who looked so lovable, and he felt a sudden sickening want in her, a jarring of his sensibilities at her harsh words and vulgar thoughts. We are in the place of Bab's father and mother, he said slowly. I don't think mothers talk like that. Mine never did. And then he went out of the room and straight upstairs into the night nursery. Poor Babs had rebelled against the hideous spoonful of black, sticky medicine with which nurse greeted her on waking, and also begged to be allowed to get up as usual. But nurse was adamant. Little girls who don't go properly to sleep, but rampage about the house, must be very far from well and treated accordin', she said severely. I are quite well today, pleaded Babs. It is my opinion you'd be all the better for a good whipping, observed nurse grimly and Babs thought it prudent to drop the conversation. Teddy, too, was not very sympathetic. He thought it silly to be quite so frightened of the bogey-owl and could not imagine how Babs could rush down in the middle of a party with her nightgown on. Besides, what was the good? You should have seen whereabouts the bogey-owl really was, he said, in the bravery that is born of daylight, and then we might have set a trap. I was afraid to look, Babs confessed. Are you sure it was in the room? Quite sure, certain. But, oh, don't let's keep on talking about it, cause night'll come soon, and then I shall think it all over again. So when Uncle Charlie came in, Babs was a very sad little person indeed. She cheered up as he sat down beside her, and they really had a most comforting talk. Tell me, Babs, asked her uncle presently, what frightened you so much last night? Babs shook her head. "'Whisper it,' coaxed Uncle Charlie. "'But for long Babs would not be persuaded. "'I shan't be angry, little one.' "'There was a new sound now in Uncle Charlie's voice "'when he spoke to Babs, "'and at last it won the child's confidence. "'She would only whisper it with her mouth so close to his ear "'as to produce nothing but a buzzing sound, "'but he succeeded in catching the word owl. "'There is no owl here,' he said at a venture. "'Babs nodded her head.' There really isn't, he assured her. Owls never come into houses. Not any kind of owl? asked Babs, hope mingling with anxiety. No kind at all, and they would not come inside any house even if there were, except very old tumble-down ruins. And where there are any owls, they only fly out at night, because they are so frightened themselves. Uncle Charlie's comfort lacked tact in his zeal for truth. What a pity, exclaimed Babs. 
"'cause it's in the night that I'm so frightened, "'and that doesn't help a bit.' "'Captain Conway hastened to mend his mistake "'and talk long and cheerily to his little niece. "'So fear of the boogie-owl was almost dispelled. "'It settled down into only an unpleasant back thought "'instead of an ever-present terror. "'Because, as Teddy said, "'it wasn't nearly so frightening flying about out of doors "'as it was when it lived in the bathroom or behind nurse's bed.' There were other fears besides that lay heavy on the children's souls, but those perhaps no one could have helped. Babs was always afraid lest wild beasts should be lurking on the back stairs and rush out at her through the men's servant's door in the hall or the housemaid's one on the second landing, and Teddy was afraid of some of the things he heard Uncle Charlie and Aunt Eleanor talking about when he was downstairs, especially of consoles, which conveyed an inexplicable horror to the child mind. He used to talk to Babs about these mysteries and enlarge upon them until his little sister shook in her ankle-strap shoes, but there was a gruesome pleasure in doing so, which the children both enjoyed. "'Old Mr. Fenton came to call today,' announced Teddy, after one of his drawing-room visits from which Babs was generally excluded, and he was telling Uncle Charlie again about the consoles. The children had come to the conclusion that the consuls were a wicked family of old Romans who lived in the city, and this opinion was founded partly on their own imagination, and partly on Miss Grimston's description of consuls in the Roman history lesson. "'How was they today?' asked Babs. "'As bad as ever?' "'Worse,' said Teddy. "'And they are going downer and downer.' "'Like Giles used to say the gamekeeper's son was going. "'You remember, Teddy?' He always finished up about him with straight down to ruin. But all the consuls seemed bad, while it was only the gamekeeper's son that was. Let's talk about what we pretend they do, said Babs. They poach, of course, began Teddy, who was a squire's son. And they cut good people up in slices, continued Babs, her eyes dilating with horror. And eat children. Oh, yes, like the ogres in the fairy book. "'and fire-guns close to your ears.' "'On purpose,' put in Babs. "'Of course on purpose. "'Let's pretend they are coming here to dinner.' "'But the talk was getting a little too realistic "'for Babs' peace of mind. "'No, don't let's pretend they are coming here, Teddy. "'It makes me so frightened. "'Let's pretend they are going to Miss Grimston's house. "'Oh, yes. "'Big old Mr. Consul has glaring eyes and black whiskers and great teeth.' "'And one day he went out to find a good person to eat,' began Teddy, "'whose imagination was fertile in the creation of horrors. "'Miss Grimston wouldn't be good enough,' interrupted Babs eagerly. "'But it would be rather fun if he eated her, Teddy. "'Let's make him want only to eat bad people today.' "'Oh, no,' argued Teddy, "'else he wouldn't be at all frightening. "'It wouldn't be wicked to eat only bad people, you see.' "'Well, who can he eat?' "'I know.' "'Uncle Jack and Ronnie.' "'Here Babs burst into such a scream of anguish "'that Nurse interfered. "'Now, Master Teddy, "'what have you been frightening Miss Babs about again? "'I won't have such nonsense. "'And if there's any more of it, "'I'll buy a birch rod "'and you shall feel what that is like,' "'she continued wrathfully. "'Teddy became very sulky. "'I won't talk to you no more,' "'he murmured in an offended tone to Babs. "'You are such a crybaby "'and then everything is spoiled.' You never used to be so stupid. I wasn't so frightened afore, said the little girl humbly. Cry, baby, muttered Teddy. I won't play with you ever again. So Babs was left alone, 
sitting sorrowfully on a little bench by the fireplace, while Teddy fetched out his soldiers and pretended a most important battle on the ottoman. Her little mind and heart seemed all upside down, and yet she could not discern what was really the matter, only that things were dark and sad and miserable, and every day grew worse instead of better. The big tears rolled down her cheeks, and she caught her breath in the attempted suppression of heavy sobs. "'Now, Miss Babs,' said Nurse sharply, "'give over crying this moment, or I shall shut you up in the night nursery.' This only made matters worse, so Babs was promptly removed into the penal settlement and left there until she had learned how to behave herself. She climbed up onto a chair and looked sadly out of the window over the top of the mews. She was not nearly as happy and merry now as she used to be. Constant snubbings were beginning to dim the brightness of her child nature, and the still stronger element of fear which had crept into her life cast a black shadow across many of the once cheerful every days. Happily, before the little girl had been alone for very much longer, a sandy cat appeared upon the stable roof. A beautiful, entertaining animal which appealed at once to Babs, and filled her barren little soul with a new and immediate interest. She tapped the window, and the cat looked up. Clearly it was a most sociable creature. Afterwards, when she was fetched out to tea, Babs exclaimed quite cheerily, "'There's a lovely cat on the roof under the night nursery window.' "'What sort of a cat?' asked Teddy, still a little coldly, for Teddy never could get over things all in a minute like Babs did. "'A yellow cat, what minded me very much of that splendid mouser in the stable at home. I like yellow cats. They don't bite as much as other colors.' "'Why not?' shortly. Teddy could not make long pleasant remarks yet. "'They haven't so many tongues,' continued Babs. "'They've just the same,' remarked Teddy. "'No cats have more than one tongue.' "'Yes, they have,' said Babs querulously. "'No more talking,' interrupted Nurse. "'If you will quarrel, you shall eat your meals in silence. "'Another word, and you'll go straight into the corner,' "'she added warningly as Babs looked inclined to speak. "'Teddy began to eat his bread and jam very hurriedly, "'for he was afraid of being suddenly bereft of it as a punishment, "'but Babs was never thus wordly wise. "'Her slice seemed to give her a choky feeling, "'so she drank her milk up first instead.' "'What are you most frightened of in the world?' Teddy asked Babs a few days after, when things had really been very unpleasant in the nursery. "'The boogie-owl, in course,' answered the little girl promptly, "'and a good deal of the consuls.' "'Are you at all frightened of nurse?' suggested Teddy. "'She's so dreadful cross.' "'Oh, no!' exclaimed Babs, amazed. "'How could I be?' "'She only scolds and puts on a corner or night nursery, and sometimes slaps.' I couldn't be frightened of things like her and Miss Grimston. Are you? I'm rather afraid of being whipped if it hurts, said Teddy slowly. But that's just real and over, answered Babs philosophically. But the bogey owl is so dreadful when you think about it. And it seems hanging round outside ready to pounce, you know. I'm most frightened of real things, decided Teddy, who was smarting from a recent encounter with Nurse's new rod. Oh, I aren't. The things we pretend are much more frightening, I think. I don't mind Miss Grimston slaps a bit, except just that minute. They're more disagreeable than frightening. I mind that beastly birch rod that nurse has bought, and I hate her, growled Teddy. Then I will hate her too, agreed Babs pleasantly, cause she's been so nasty to you today. 
It never seemed to occur to Babs that she should hate Nurse for the long hours of punishment which she herself had been obliged to endure, since dear Nana departed for that bourne which the children always spoke of as Father and Mother in India. End of chapter 8